Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, and welcome to the Managing Uncertainty Podcast. This is Brian Strauser, Principal and Chief Executive here at Braypath. And in episode 201, I want to talk about critical success factors in crisis management. I'm going to do this by talking through some key points of a seminal article about really emergency management from 2006. The journal article from 2006 is called Agility and Discipline, Critical Success Factors for Disaster Response. It was published in the Annals of the American Academy for Political and Social Science in an issue in March 2006 where the entire issue was focused on repairing the national emergency management system after Hurricane Katrina. Uh, And so this is coming uh, two years after Hurricane Katrina where we didn't have the best emergency response as a nation only three years after 9-11 when we supposedly had kind of cracked the nut on large-scale emergency preparedness and response. I'm going to take a little different take on this paper. The paper, the article from 2006 by John R. Harald, was really focused on public sector emergency management. But the lessons here apply to the private sector as well. They apply to how you as a business leader, as a resilience leader in a large organization um, can think about your own preparedness and response practices. So I wanna highlight several points from this article, but I'm gonna put it in the context of how I thought about this, reading it, about the work that we all do in the private sector. The first one is, Harold recommends thinking about how you can anticipate extreme events. That despite all risk mitigation efforts, extreme events, serious significant events can and will still occur that impacts your business. And these events can significantly impact your business operations and require a substantial commitment of resources. And think about this just in the context of the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, and how we had to respond to this in ways that we probably didn't anticipate going into the year 2020. The second key point that Harold makes is that you can think about a crisis as having four phases, and that requires a phased response approach in your planning. He describes the four phases as the initial response, the integration of the response, the production, i.e. the kind of the peak of the response, and then demobilization and transition to recovery. And Harald's argument in the article is that understanding these phases can help you structure your organization's response and help you think about different ways that you need to lead throughout the response. The third is that you need to identify critical success factors in your process, that you need to determine the key areas of activity in that response, in your um, understanding of how your business operates and your need to continue operations. You need to understand the key areas of activity where you need favorable results. And those results are absolutely necessary for a successful crisis response. Those critical success factors you can then use to guide your planning and decision-making processes. 
The fourth is that there's different kinds of organizational response types and different ways to structure your response organization, your crisis management organization, but also the different parts of your company are going to come into play at different times. He describes these organizational response types as reactive, adaptive, balanced, and procedural or bureaucratic. And not bureaucratic in a negative way, but just that some processes require more procedure. And then understanding the strengths and weaknesses of each of these types can help you determine how to best structure your crisis management program and abilities. The fifth point, the fifth critical success factor is the balance between agility and discipline. And I really, this one really resonated with me, that your crisis response system has to balance discipline. And here he means structure and process with agility, creativity, adaptability, improv where necessary. And that balance allows your organization to respond effectively to anticipated and unanticipated, unexpected challenges. His sixth point, his sixth success factor is open communication systems, that you need to ensure your communication systems allow for information to be gathered from and transmitted to all stakeholders, your employees, your third-party partners, your customers, your stakeholders, your board, your investors, and others in your community that have a stake in your organization. His next success factor is distributed decision-making, that you need a to promote a culture of distributed decision-making and improv, improvisation. It allows your organization to adapt quickly to unexpected events or conditions. And of course, for those of us that practice this regularly, we think about this in the incident command system because the goal is to push the decision-making authority down to the local level because they're the ones that need to make the call on what's going on. His eighth success factor is inclusive preparedness. The crisis response and recovery cannot be successful if only a select few are prepared. We must involve and inform a wider range of stakeholders, including employees at all levels and external partners. His next success factor is avoiding over-reliance on a hierarchical structure. And while it might be tempting to centralize crisis management within a specific department or team, that can lead to a loss of agility and adaptability. You should encourage a culture of shared responsibility for crisis response across your organization. Now, I agree with this in terms of shared accountability, but I don't agree with that in terms of the head of crisis management in your organization has got to report to somebody. So don't be afraid to have a head of crisis management, a director, a VP, a program manager. You've got to have something. But we want to make sure that they're not the only one in the organization responsible for crisis management. Number 10 is that you should learn from failures. You should use any failures or shortcoming in a crisis as opportunities for learning and improvement. Separate the individual failures from systemic issues and in your post-crisis review, in your lessons learned process, address both issues. Number 11 is clear communication, that all communication in the crisis has to be clear. It has to use natural language. It needs to be jargon free, both within your organization and with external stakeholders. This helps ensure that everyone understands the situation and the planned response. Number 12 is flexibility and structure. That while structure is important in crisis response, you must also have flexibility to adapt to changing circumstances. You must be able to see the changing circumstances. Balancing these two needs is a necessity in your crisis response planning.
Number 13 is understanding the scale of a crisis. Recognizing that larger scale crises or catastrophes require a different response strategy than small scale incidents. These larger crises involve a high level of uncertainty. They require a high level of creativity and improvisation. They'll probably involve more of your senior leaders. Number 14, understand the role of the media and public perception. The media and public perception, they both have a role to play in shaping the narrative around a crisis. You must ensure that your organization has a strategy for engaging with the media, for telling your story, and for communicating with the public writ large during a crisis. And finally, the last critical success factor is engagement of leadership. That during a crisis, the involvement of top leadership is crucial. Leaders should be visible, engaged, and actively communicating with both internal and external stakeholders. Surprisingly, in my various emergency management studies over the years and readings, I've never read John Harl's paper until I was preparing for this um, podcast episode. I found it an interesting read and the lessons to be very valuable in terms of how I'm thinking today about the challenges facing those of us as we prepare our organizations to be able to respond to and recover from the kind of crisis situations and catastrophes we expect to see in the long haul. That's it for this edition of the Managing Uncertainty Podcast. We'll be back next week with another new episode. Be well. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.